Welcome to Jeff's World with Jeff Stein, the show where social, political, economic, spiritual, and philosophical discourse goes to live. Because in Jeff's World, we never give up the high moral ground, take no political divisioners, and fight until the bitterness ends. And now, here's your host, recovering hope addict and paid volunteer in the American experiment, Jeff Stein. We are going to learn these lessons. Uh, you know, we're going to find a way. I, I, I just want to remind everybody of that. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. And, and, and thank you again for listening. Uh, I'm along here, of course, with Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick. Uh, my uh, partners in crime, who I love so much, because uh, they uh, they teach me. I learn. I, uh, they're teachers, mirrors, and students to me, and I think that's just freaking awesome. Those are the best people in your life are those that are teachers and mirrors and students. And uh, and the fun thing about it, if you got a good radio family or a good work family, hopefully you have one, uh, is that you know you not only get those experiences, but uh, in our case, off the air as well as on the air. It's really really cool. But we are all trying to figure it out, and uh, I can't help but observe there's just a lot of fear, <laughs> and I bring this up sometimes, but, you know, obviously, uh, I, between shows, and this was a way bigger gap than I, I would have preferred, uh, the longer I stay away from y'all who are listening, uh, the more I get reflective. I can't help myself, because I start to just, you get perspective, right, Eric? And you just kind of go, uh, this is scary to a lot of people. Uh, I'm amazed how much North Korea is scaring people. I'm amazed how much, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little intense and that's what chaos is. But here's what I want to say is the good part. You know, we are going to learn these lessons and whether you're a, a Zen philosophical religious or, or just, you know, quantum physics kind of person, you, you can't, you have to learn what? <laughs> you have to learn these lessons or they will get bigger. We really only have two choices in, in this experience that we're watching in our great American experiment, you know, is to either uh, start to learn. And that means pivoting towards what's working, where the helpers are, where things are, are positive, or uh, keep thinking it's getting worse and then watch it get worse and then feel more pain and then have to reevaluate the lesson again. But here's the good part again. We are going to learn them. These lessons will absolutely be learned. Uh, one, because I know they already have been. You can't know what you don't want without having a corresponding desire born within you of what you do want. And if Donald Trump or anybody else is pissing you off, then there obviously is a greater desire within you that exists that is the, the counterpoint, which makes the gap between your truth and your, your perspective. And there's the emotional response, right? It's scary because you know this is not how life was designed to be. <laughs> it's supposed to be a lot more fun than this. It's supposed to be a lot more interesting than this. And so, uh, it, but here's the thing. It is interesting. It is so fascinating. I want everyone to find some sort of way to step back and see this as the dance that it is. I've been reading and listening to a lot of Alan Watts lately. If you guys know who he is, he's an old philosopher from the 1970s and stuff. And before he died in like 73. And uh, he brought Eastern religions. He wrote like 25 books and was really emphasis on, on this kind of mindfulness and this in, internal perspective. And he talks, he has a great analogy about the dance. He was you, in that Scarlett Johansson movie. Was he? Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that one about the yeah, yeah. Yes, her. No, 
uh, help me. Lucy. Lucy, thank you. Uh, with Joaquin Phoenix or something, right? No, yeah. that was that was her. I can't remember. That. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, right. Which I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're talking about Lucy Alan or Watts. her. Yeah, no, either one, right? We're, right. we're conflating them, obviously. Okay. Uh, but the uh, but yeah, the point of the, uh, he talks about the dance, and then you don't dance to hit a specific spot on the floor. <laughs> you know, that's not the point of dancing. The point of dancing is the dance itself. The same thing with music. He loves to talk about that, and he says you don't listen to a a song to get through it. You listen for the purpose of singing to it. If you were just trying to get through it, then conductors would be the fastest ever, and you'd just get to the final crashing chord, and that'd be, that'd be the whole point. So the same is true of what we are experiencing right now. And I want so much for everyone to stop back and just see it as the great human experiment that it is. And we're doing just fine in it. And if you want to be able to see it as a lesson unfolding— you need only. You don't have to be some sort of expert or some sort of un- greater understanding of what's going on. You can just look at your own life and just ask yourself, "Wow, how am I feeling about this? How much time in the day am I spending feeling terrible about this? Am I, you know, hitting the like like an addict hitting the news to see the next terrible thing that happens so that I can somehow have a dose of Schadenfreude for a brief minute, minute and be angry or, or whatever? Be aware of this." Uh, this is this is you want to enjoy this because you're going to look back on this when it's all good and all done and it won't ever be done because it's a dance. It goes on and on and on. But I mean, as we as we learn these lessons and emerge from what appears to be an unemergeable crisis, you'll look at, back on it like anything. You know, we've got history to look at. Look at the remember we had. Uh, uh, oh, gosh, I'm forgetting it. Ganesh uh, Sitaraman, mm-hmm. you know, who came on and gave that great example of the perspective of history, because history tells us that, you know, we've come a long way. <laughs> we, we've been through this before in much worse conditions and got through it. And, and I said this at the beginning of uh, the Trump presidency, and I think it still holds true, is that I expect that it's going to be, I expected it would be a lot more embarrassing than damaging. And so far, it has been way more embarrassing than damaging. Yeah, they've done some stuff that probably bothers you here and there. It certainly has. We've wasted a lot of taxpayer monies in Mar-a-Lago and whatever. But it's mostly just embarrassing. Mm, we've... There is a lot of damage. <laughs> and <laughs> See, and I go. will say this. Um, I know, am I not supposed to interrupt? No, you're point? supposed to interrupt! <laughs> What do you mean supposed to? There's no rules on Jeff's world. I know, I know, I know. But um, <laughs> there, there is a lot of damage that is incurring right now, and it is by the Republican Congress. For example, um, are we about to go out? I can tell you when we get back. No, we're great. Keep talking. <laughs> um, I don't remember, you know, what Senate bill this was, but there was a bill passed where um, pharmaceutical companies are no longer required to test drugs for how well they work. Yeah. Um, and that that is dangerous. And but we, I can tie it back though to your to your point. Yeah. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about that because this is a good example of what is more scary than potentially bad, as well as I'll tease what's on the rest of the show. You're going to love this one. This be a thick Jeff's world when we come back. Welcome back to Jeff's world. I'm Jeff Stein, along with Erica Ferrison and Jeff Hendrick. Then Executive Brian is around. Grateful Couch is gone. Oh, no. But that's okay. We're going to get a new producer, and right now it's me, which is really terrifying. Anyway, uh, I didn't even get a chance to tease the show. So... Coming up on Jeff's World, uh, we're going to talk about what's really going on in Korea, uh, that North Korea symphony and apocalypse you may have seen on the news. 
And the Mike Pence bomber jacket. Got to talk about that. Also, uh, <laughs> and his and his steely gaze. Oh my gosh! His, his squint of uh, righteous anger. I hope that after <laughs> it's all over, he can release the furrow on his brow at some point. Don't you just scream Botox every time you see him? He just went like, "Dude, ease up the thing." I I want to put my finger right in the middle of his third eye and just go, "Ease up." Well, he does up. that to make himself look human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold back, oh Erica. God, you sound like me now. <laughs> Also today, uh, just just, the truth. Uh, thank you. Also today, uh, Jess World Sera- celebrating erratic behavior on Fox News. Uh, Is that erratic or erotic? Er- er- a little bug. No. Oh, hello. Yes, that's eradicating erotic behavior now. <laughs> Another event that was way more watched than Donald Trump's inauguration. I'll tell you what that is. Something that more people watch than his inauguration. Also, Melania schools her trophy husband <laughs> on uh, on a little patriotism. We all saw that. Petty. Uh, hire American, buy American, do as I say, not as I do. Also, the Armada, which apparently is Spanish for misplaced fleet. Um, <laughs> On today's episode of Military Where's Waldo. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll talk about the tale of the, the coup d'etatting that with the Carl Vinson Carrier Group. It was a bit of a, I, I would almost call it a coup d'etat. We'll talk about that. It rained in Georgia on Tuesday, but Democrats and Republicans dried their John Ossoff. Get it? Thank you. That's that bad. Uh, Hillary's campaign revealed in a new book. Fascinating stuff in there. I want to throw at my uh, burner, Hillary folks, because it's just really interesting. Yeah, you you guys uh, you called few things. We we did in general on the show, which is great. And Donald Trump has an Iowa problem. We have to talk about that. So let's well let me give you one. Let me pay not, off he one. has so many. Not that not enough corn. Not enough corn. <laughs> not <laughs> enough corn. What does it matter? Yeah, uh, I I should pay off a couple of. Let me pay off the first one. Uh, something that was watched more than Donald Trump's inauguration. Can the I past guess? Week. Can yes. I guess? Yes. The birth of the giraffe baby. Ding! <laughs> I thought it might have been that. April the giraffe being I born. I thought it was just paint drying. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. She's hot today. She's on it. Uh, so <laughs> as if she needed our approval. Um, yeah. The April the Giraffe, which I love because everybody that's seen it, you can just ask them. You see it and then their face turns because I grew up on a farm. Right. I've literally put my hand in the back of animals to pull out parts. And so this idea of watching something fall out of a, you know, <laughs> giraffe. And on like, top okay, of that. He, uh, but it's pretty gross. It's pretty gross. The baby giraffe <laughs> seems to have figured out where the cam is. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> that little guy is mugging it up 24-7. He's looking in there and he's just... These kids these days. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. He's already a social media star. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I hope he gets his own show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, that's it, it's funny. Of course, that doesn't matter. He'll say that, that, that more people watch his inauguration. <laughs> I guess don't tell him that because he'll start tweeting. Um, he'll say it wasn't really a giraffe. Yeah. Uh, I, I, there's another great t- tweet. Fake, fake zoos, people. It's all fake zoos. Yeah. It's a conspiracy by the left to detract from how many people watched his inauguration. Yeah. Because yeah. let's just keep on that on that theme. I mean, everywhere I know, just keep hitting him with it. Every speech he gives. In addition, in addition to nudging him to put his hand over his heart, maybe Melania should just lean over and say, "You know, Donald, you did win. You are president." Yeah. (laughs) Just remind him. Yeah, you're president. You're president. You can stop campaigning. Yeah. No. And I love it because he always said, "There's a dozen tweets where he said the election is over." It's like you're the only one that keeps bringing it up, dude. But that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. 
again, I think we we move on to, you know, what's the effect of all of this? And uh, we can start with John Ossoff. If you've been under a rock, you didn't see that he ran in Georgia 6th in a seat owned by Republicans since 1979, most notably by Newt Gingrich. He That was his seat. And, <laughs> you know, huge, huge. Uh, That's I a mean, huge flip. I mean, it's, it's enormous. Massive, the fact yeah. that he got 48.1%. Uh, he needed 50.1% in order, of course, to avoid the runoff. And there were 11 Republicans and four other Democrats, I believe, was the total. And if you, by the way, if you throw the, the percentages that our Democrats got on top, he would have been at 49.8 or something. Just yeah, right. shy of it. Right. Wow, so, so is everybody attacking all those that supported the other Democrats? <laughs> well, God, I hope uh, not. It's a little, nah, nah. Let's have it, a little unity, people. Yeah, and, well, you could do the same thing with the Republicans because Karen Handel emerged, of course. And another fun fact about that is Karen Handel, who is, she's been a, she was a attorney general, no, she was a secretary of state, I think, there and what have you in, in Georgia. She's been in Georgia state office for a while, but she ran anti-Trump campaign. As a Republican? Yeah, she wow. was very arm's length with everything Donald Trump. Huh. And, too little, too late. And, I, and my Republican friends, you know, I've watched them as I have too, just from a strategy standpoint, I'm looking at, you know, again, from my family's perspective, they're slapping your hand on your face every time Donald Trump tweets during this thing. <laughs> because this is a classic example of you have nothing to win and everything to lose yeah. by injecting yourself into this race. Politics 101, you guys know, you're geeks, is that when you get to a presidential level, you're very careful with what you endorse. Not only first what you endorse, but also what you go out and show up for, oh, yeah. what you do robocalls for. And he did all of those things to try to support. And it wasn't the thing is he wasn't supporting any particular Republican. He no, was just saying... Anti-Democrat. Yeah, he yeah. was just anti-Democrat, which... Again, you're injecting yourself into it, and then you look kind of foolish when he does well. And he did really well. Did. And it gave John Ossoff a huge boost. Yeah. Because he just, he handled it perfectly. He says, well, I'm so glad he's interested in the campaign, but clearly he's misinformed, you know, about oh. his particulars. And it's like, yeah, keep it coming. Basically <laughs> says, keep it coming, Trump. But keep keep it, you know, showing people. Throw something out that's a lie. Because the problem is he said, oh, he's the most extreme liberal leveler. And then people go, is oh, he? Oh, no, he's not. No, no he's, he's not. not. He's very middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's almost, he's really a, almost, a, almost Republican a Republican from 20 like years ago. Like most moderate Dems. Right. Yeah. It was like a Republican from 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, and so there's a lot of panic. And no matter how much Republicans, uh, you know, operatives will tell you there's there's not. Uh, obviously, you see the ones that say, oh, no, no, this is this is a big deal. You know, Jeff, and, you talk about, you know, how much you miss your Eisenhower party. <laughs> um, the yeah. moderate Dems are your Eisenhower They are. Party. They no, are I, the Republicans. Well, that's kind of why, as of you know, Eisenhower's I've been effectively time. a Dem. Democrat for a while. I mean, that's who I've been voting for mostly uh, because of that. Because, right. well, I look at the two candidates and go, well, this one's the most Republican-like. This one is fiscally... I mean, look at Jerry Brown. He's a fiscal conservative to the core. It drives, it drives some of the Democrats crazy right. uh, because he's so tight with the pocketbook. And, you know, my family's like, good, you know? Be tight. Be careful. Be well, choosy. Get a, get a rainy day fund like he did. And then you can see how Erica's eyes rolling because well, no. Jerry Brown's not a big hero in the, uh, no, in the left. He's... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But fis fiscal conservatism is, I don't think, necessarily uh, unique to Republicans. Yeah. and But yeah. They, they've definitely you know put it on as their mantle, like, okay, we're the responsible ones. And then you look at every president who's been a Republican, and he's completely blown up the debt. And <laughs> well, <laughs> you know. I mean, even looking at Donald Trump, his four trips to Palm Beach so far— 
Yeah, we're gonna have talk cost about that. like what ten million dollars. Yeah. It, it costs him three million dollars every time he goes there, and not only that, the county oh. has paid about a million dollars of their uh, taxes geez. in security right. for Donald right. Trump. So Palm Beach County, which Although the island of Palm Beach, which is the incredibly affluent area where Donald Trump lives, um, Palm Beach County is huge. Think of it like L.A. County. It encompasses a lot. And, you know, they have a deficit. They have public schools to pay for. And 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 this adds to it. They have uh, their county commissioner, Dave Kerner, has asked the federal government for reimbursement. He's been denied. Yeah. And um, they this, you know, he's uh, that is not fiscal conservatism yeah. at all. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Housing too because, Melania um, in New York when oh. it would be like the cost that that's incurring. It's like, what, a million dollars a year yeah. to keep her and the son in New York yeah. have them move to D.C. <laughs> in the White House. It's like closer to a million a day. Else. It's closer to a million, million a, day. a day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. I said a million a year. A million a day, you're a right. A million yeah. dollars a day. So, the, you know, well, let's go ahead and Well, also, that... and then you go... Oh, go ahead. No, uh, no, no Because it. It, when they go to Mar-a-Lago, which they have done... 32% of his presidency has been outside of D.C. Right. At well, Mar-a-Lago mostly. He also went to Doral, I think. All of the garf, golf cart rentals? Yeah, did you see about that? That all gets... He, he goes right into Donald J. Trump's pocket. Yeah. And he's renting out... Tons of them because he has to have this flock of security around him. Yeah, I can't remember what the Secret Service number, but it was a seven-figure number of how yeah. much they've done in ve- in, in golf cart rentals Alone. for the U.S. Just, Treasury Department. Just the golf cart rentals. Just yeah. the just golf cart rentals. Right. Which would make me think at some point uh, the Secret Service should just buy a couple. <laughs> right. <laughs> Store them on Air Force One, and then you're ready to go. But... Right, because you know he's just going to jump out of the plane and hit a course. So right. well. well, and what's unique, <laughs> I mean, about this, like, it's completely expected that, you know, presidents go on vacations and have places to sure. rest and relax. It's a question but of quantity. But quantity, and also what's different about this, this is the first time that, you know, well, I don't know if it's the first time, but the president is profiting yeah. off of this. He goes to his own resorts. I don't think that's ever been done before. Well, Bush went to his own Bush ranch went... in Texas. Yeah, but that was, uh, he wasn't. I think that incurred more security costs, but I don't think he profited off of it. So yeah. I, I Also, that's a private place as opposed to a a place that's open for money. Right, like yeah, Mar-a-Lago, right. Mar-a-Lago, the fees yeah. for members were doubled. That's where the money comes Right in. after he got elected. Right, and so they're talking about how much money he makes because now he can sell memberships to folks who can come in and be in proximity to the president and the president of China and all this stuff. Did you see the, the Instagram picture yeah. with a bunch of fraternity bros and the president? Yeah. Right, right. right. That's a crazy picture. They're all like, hey, they're all selfieing with him. We're yeah. hanging out with Trumpy. Like, really? <laughs> Because they're, you know, some friend of theirs had a membership to Mar-a-Lago, and they get to go see the president. That's how it works. Security, anyone? Yeah, I, mean, I know. Well, and I mean, <laughs> again, too. Too. on wow. this, you know, like the conservatives tout themselves on being fiscally conservative, on being financially responsible, <sighs> on being legal, and all these other things. And then yet, when you talk about his dinner with the uh, Chinese president. During that dinner, his daughter Ivanka got, I think it was two four total patents, four, four, four total patents. Uh, yeah, Trademarks. Yeah, trademarks. trademarks. So that she, so that China basically gave her full monopoly on all these products, and then her business went up four hundred percent. That's right. I mean, the, the emoluments, emoluments. This, emoluments clause. Yeah, yeah. And where, where is the outrage well, from? 
from conservatives. I there is. don't see very much of it. Okay, here we go. So now this is a perfect example. Thank okay. you for setting that yeah, up beautifully. Because now we pivot <laughs> to is it are we learning this lesson? Or are we just being petty? Exactly. By bringing up the facts right. of Trump profiting and his right. family profiting and costing taxpayers absorbent amount oh, of fees Ma- for his luxuries. It's, if you're looking at the hypocrisy, it's the easiest in the world thing just to flip it, right? Because if Malia or Sasha Obama had a clothing line that was suddenly benefited because Obama talked to the president of China for him. The shrieking uh, would not stop. It would never, right. ever, ever yeah. stop. They'd no. go right into impeachment, actually. Yeah, they would. They I would, would. think they, if, they, if there was this much violation of the emoluments clause, there's no question that Jason Chaffetz, Chaffetz soon to be retired Jason Chaffetz, would lead uh, an immediate impeachment in- inquiry. Uh, you know, uh, so but you that's, know, I think it's important that we impeach this president and his two little grifting daughters. It, that's what they would do. <clears throat> yeah, McConnell, McConnell would just. Yeah. So again, yeah. is a lesson being learned? Yeah. As it turns out, uh, let us walk over to Iowa where Joni Ernst. This is all over the news, but it's worth playing the clip again because oh. they asked her the question. A Republican from her state of Iowa said, why are we spending so much money? Why is the president doing it? And she responded as soon as it can work. With the, the trips to Florida, I do wish that he would spend more time in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, that's what we have the White House for. And we would love to see more of those State Department visits in Washington, D.C. I think it's smart that he does business in Washington, D.C. So I've, I've had those same concerns myself. So I agree. There you go. Okay. Okay. So I take issue with this. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. You just said if Malia or, you know, any of the Obamas had a clothing line or anything, they would move straight to impeachment. So the fact that one part, one member of Congress who's called on an interface says, well, I, I do wish right, right. that he would spend a little bit more time in D.C. Yes, I, yeah. I think that would be a good idea. That is hardly yeah. the it isn't appropriate monumental. response yeah. to how this man is bankrupting the country and personally profiting off of it. I refer you to the beginning of our conversation at the top of the show. This is the dance. And in the step one was to have people go, oh, maybe not a good idea. We'll get to the end of the dance where they'll be like, ah, this is not working. We'll see. Anyway, we come back. More on John Ossoff and Joni Ernst and what happened to her. I think I support a majority of the policies uh, versus the actual person. But I decry, you know, I would decry any time anytime a person is ugly towards another person. I don't think that's appropriate. Um, so how did I feel about him? Uh, again, policy-wise, we disagreed on policies. Uh, but, he, but he treated me, he was very nice to me when I met him face-to-face. Trump. So going back to, to actual policies, if we agree on policies, I'm going to be supportive. If we disagree on policies, we're going to disagree, um, period. But I think I'm a strong woman, and I think I'm a strong woman, and I think there are a lot of strong women out there that will come out, and any time he makes comments, you know, we're going to say, that's not appropriate. <laughs> it's not appropriate. Yeah. That is Joni Ernst, uh, senator from Iowa. You remember her? She's the castration. Ooh, she's tough. Ah! Yeah. 
Don't mess with her because she will say, you know what, that is not appropriate. Yeah, so so just to give you a little background, I, I should have introed the clip before, but she's she was referring to a question from the audience saying, hey, you know, how do you deal with the fact that he talks about misogyny and, and sexual assault and all this sort of thing? And you heard it. She just says, well, you know, if we're on a policy, we'll agree. And if we're not on policy, we won't agree. That's such and a lame, it, lame answer. And and I know, <laughs> I know, Erica, you're going to say, you know, which I would love for you to hear to, to just how that affects you in terms of. It's like not a big deal when you know when a Republican can come around like that, but um, that's a big move for Jody Ernst, who went from you know Tea Party favorite who wouldn't dare break the eleventh commandment of speaking ill of another Republican, and now she's saying having being forced to call him out. No, in do, her own way. Do, do you really politely? Do you really think that comes anywhere near? Not yet. Calling him out? Not yet. No, that's her just saying, well, you know, he's kind of a naughty boy, and we all sort of knew that boys going will be in. Boys. boys will be boys, so I can excuse his horrible misogynistic behavior because <laughs> it wasn't aimed at me. <laughs> so it's a completely selfish worldview, which, surprise! Yeah, not yeah. really that that's what she has. She was like that as a candidate. So yeah. the fact that she's not really genuinely standing up to him, not a shocker for me. Yeah, it's interesting. She even said, though, she said uh, he spent 28% of his term so far at Mar-a-Lago. And I was like, wow, she was accepting that uh, truth that you know, and letting that get out there. And as and you remember, you know how these folks are. They tend to just dodge you know, when you're well, your own party. Well, then that makes me think that perhaps the FBI must have something on them because Republicans <laughs> only start abandoning the ship when it's... When it's really going down. When it's supportive of them to do so. Yeah. True. So this is going to be fascinating, which kind of makes us pivot back to John Ossoff and what he did. 30-year-old John Ossoff in uh, in Georgia 6th. He's an upstart youngster. Uh, now, people say, oh, you know, the, again, the Republicans are trying to spin this. Uh, they're both places. They're always this classic spin. Democrats are making it seem like it's a big monumental. He even called it. He almost sounded like a victory speech when you heard him last night. He was like, this is a huge victory. And it was a huge victory. It is. Here's why it's a huge victory. Now, of course, they, the, the Democrats didn't pick up in Kansas, which was another possibility, that Mike Pompeo's seat. But that one was like an R well, plus they, 22 <laughs> or something insane. Well, that's also the the how much did the DNC and the DCC contribute right. to that race in Kansas? Do you know, Jeff? Nothing, right? That's right. Not one dime. Yeah. Not one resource. Yeah. Not a call to Democratic clubs to rally, to make phone calls, to contribute Nothing. Yeah, they yeah. left. They left him hanging in the wind. That was not cool. Yeah, um, and well, they 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 somewhat rightfully thought that that was a district that just no way they're going to get. But you know, I believe, like you believe, whether you're Republican or Democrat, you fight everywhere. That's you, right. You contribute everywhere. All elections mat should matter. Yeah, and 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 so what they what did matter though it did matter to the grassroots. Uh, I was watching. I got a big clip, clip here real fast. Rachel Maddow had David Neer on, who's the head guy over at Daily Kos. And if you're a righty, you hate Daily Kos because it's the left-wing apparatus for funneling money and energy towards campaigns. But here's what, when he was talking about what's happening uh, in these special elections. It's that grassroots enthusiasm that has just been absolutely through the roof. We saw it with the Ossoff donations, but we have also seen it with huge fundraising halls from small donations in Montana as well, where Democrat Rob Quist has raised over a million dollars. And what I like to say is follow the small money. That's where stuff is really happening and Republicans should be afraid. In Montana, it's interesting because Montana, that's a, it's one congressional district, but it's the whole state. 
And Montana has been very happy to elect statewide Democratic candidates. Right. They've had a Democratic governor for a decade now, more than a decade. John Tester's been reelected twice, or been, been reelected to that Senate seat there. It seems, yeah, you can look at Montana and say Donald Trump won there by a lot, but that seems like very much a reachable goal for, for the Democrats if they could sort of come up with a big push for it. I definitely uh, definitely agree with that. Montana is certainly in reach, and also Republicans nominated a candidate who's a very out-of-touch one-percenter, while the yeah. Democrat is this uh, very popular folk musician running a populist campaign. It's almost the perfect matchup that you'd want in a state like that, and it could definitely be in play. David, the last time you and I talked, one of the things we discussed was the question of whether or not there is a split between the Democratic Party and go. its activist base. It's personified more than anybody, I think, by Daily Coast and by your community there. Is this a fight on the Democratic side now? I don't feel it that way. I feel that we at Daily Coast, we like to lead by example. Hmm. And that's why we made these endorsements, especially the early endorsement of John Ossoff, where we infused a whole bunch of money into his campaign and got him a lot of attention. And it's been this amazing feedback loop leading to that $8 million haul that you mentioned. And I think that people are uh, taking what we do seriously and taking what the grassroots is doing seriously. And I feel uh, surprisingly unified uh, for uh, the Democratic Party, for sure. Do you believe that, Erica Fariston? Yeah, no. Yeah, that was Jeff Hendricks. So we'll get the we'll get the. <laughs> I know there was. We could tell the difference, but uh, well, no. Now, see again. Here's what I think is you celebrate. One, wow! Since the burner revolution, we have seen the small donation avalanche start to get bigger and bigger. We've seen John Ossoff is almost in, is all small donations, right? right. And uh, that's huge. And it, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Here, here's my he bone. Con- well, no, 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 but, no. I'm not dismissing the fact that he raised a bunch of money. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I'm dismissing the fact that he had to raise a bunch of money. Yeah. We should have publicly financed campaigns, so none of this nonsense, this corporate. I'm going to fondle you yeah. until you give me money. It takes place in our in our electoral process. Yeah. It's ridiculous that he should have to go with hat in hand. And we've talked about this before. Every sitting member of Congress spends, an, on average, between 20 and 30 hours a week in a call center begging strangers for money. So that leaves roughly 10 hours a week. They're doing the people's work. And we have to. That f- assumes they put in 40 that, hours a week. Because you're like exhausted after me right. dialing right, for dollars. Right, right, so right. then you need a drink. And then that drink See? leads to two drinks. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then you're just done for the day. Yeah. Yep. And then you're like, you know, let's just get a hooker and call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Eric will tell you, she's she's well-trained in this. She's been in this circle, and it's you know, the ask. It's all about the ask. Which it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be it some should big cash be. free-for-all that we have to go through every election cycle. Yeah. Uh, every Everybody gets the same amount of money. You get ten grand, and every single television ad is free. Well, because they are the, the public yeah. airwaves. I love they it. are we'll ours. Well, you know, I yeah. want to bring some people on. We can talk about this more. But yes, absolutely. I believe in publicly financed campaigns, as do many, many progressives and uh, delegates who have resolutions on the matter. But also we need to I think it's repeal the 28th Amendment, which makes a corporation's person. Yes. <laughs> and it, it's all kind of tied in together. Absolutely. Those two things. Um, so we should, we can have somebody on sometime to talk about that. Cool. Um, well, when we come back, one more final statistic on that John Ossoff race that would uh, surprise both Democrats and Republicans. It should uh, send a tremor through everyone when we return to Jeff's World.
Thank you for listening to Jeff's World. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick and Executive Brian, who's always trying to get the show expanded out and growing and, and doing a really good job. So thank you, sir. Uh, much obliged there. And now back to John Ossoff a little bit. One last statistic on that one, because I think this is pretty cool. Uh, if you look at the the demographics of that Senate or that congressional seat, the Georgia 6th, and then you look at the number of seats the Democrats need to regain control. And again, we've been we've been talking about gerrymandering. Everybody has. You heard this, which is funny because it really should be gerrymandering. It's named after Gary. Another we'll do the history of that right. another time. I know things get uh, adjusted. And but so it's the uh, same like GIF GIF controversy. Exactly, it is GIF versus GIF. Jerry, the political version is gerrymandering versus gerrymandering. Because uh, the guy's name was Gary, who went around and fixed these congressional districts into uh, into snakes to make his uh, to cage his uh, his voters. So. But there's the uh, the Democrats would need 24 seats to gain back control of the House, and then you say, okay, well he hasn't actually John Ossoff hasn't pulled off this Georgia sixth. Well, uh, maybe he can pull it off. But there are 48 Republican districts which have less Republican lean than the Georgia sixth. So if Georgia sixth is jeopardized, there are 48 more. That are easier yeah, than easier that to one. Yep. So if that doesn't startle a great point. the Republicans. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, John Ossoff was not the low-hanging fruit on mm-mm. this tree at all. No. That he, was he a was, tough yeah, battle. That was an ambitious uh, idea to get him elected. So, Which is why Daily Coast and these other grassroots came on first, and then the DNC went, wait a minute, this is striking distance, and, and let's go ahead and throw some money into it. Um, so, and, and, and also... There's a huge condition change. For anybody who watched politics, you know this, that whatever president, whatever party has the presidency, the Congress of the opposing party has a much better chance of incumbency. Uh, because you just naturally, if you were in a slightly D district or a slightly R district and the opposing president is in power, you will lean towards staying with your party just for the opposition to the president. It's a standard axiom of American politics in a bicameral system. Okay. It's, so, ha- and it's, it's, it's happened pretty consistently yeah, that, that the, mid, the midterms always swing away from the party in control. Yeah, and almost every president in history in their last term, in their last two years, they did not control Congress for right. that reason. Right. That almost always happens. You know, you lose control in the last two years. And so if those conditions were just the conditions, that would be one thing. But, of course, now we're in a pretty hyper-partisan circumstance with a president who, according to Gallup poll, holy crap, did you guys see these numbers? I mean, he would drop 17 points in trustworthy and, you know, 10 and 8 and 12 points. And he's up, he's upside down on almost everything now. Do you know the overall approval rating for him in Europe? No. Oh, my gosh. Nine percent. Oh, good lord! Um, I go, I go right to Bueller, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Wow. Nine times. That's really. <laughs> and I'm wondering who these nine wackadoo people are. This nine percent. <laughs> but I'm figuring, you know, with all the the far right neo Nazi stuff coming up in Germany and France and all they're over the place, Putin bots. they're Putin bots. They're little pals of Putin. Meanwhile, so, if you yeah. just for reference, uh, during Obama's entire presidency, his ratings in Europe were in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, it's because I mean, he's an adult. You know, and <laughs> they so, like adults you know, but, over in Europe. But of course, what, whether Europe likes our president Their is, is not necessarily. Their children are like adults over in Europe. <laughs> yes, they are. They can sit through a five-course meal at age three, and, and no fidgeting, and no, no fidgeting, fit pulling. yeah, manners, and 
Eat uh, all perhaps, kinds of delicious foods. Perhaps it's time to have some European children in Congress. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just a thought. Yeah. So uh, anyway, the 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 Ossoff thing is huge because of course the party is different, and now that the Donald Trump is, and so we run into a into a runoff now in June. Okay, and that's two months from now. Oh god! And not a, I can't find a pundit on TV that doesn't agree that Donald Trump's situation is going to get worse in the next two months. They even I even saw this panel hypothesizing about well, could he pull off a George W. Bush where if there was a terrorist attack, he could rally the country, and they couldn't get a Republican or a Democrat to say, no, it's just not different. They would just see him as incompetent and scary. You know, it would only exacerbate their fear, right. especially with the late uh, the international situations we've been dealing with of late. Although it does concern so. me when you have mainstream media and pundits who were applauding his ridiculous airstrike oh. over in Syria no because that's the, the, he lives for applause. That yeah. will encourage him to bomb more. I finger but wagon. But again, those are the war hawks who I guess but want he, But even but even Brian Williams was all fawning yeah, over. Yeah, he got too weird over it. Yeah. yeah. Stop it, BW. You're killing me. Well, go ahead, Brian. No, I saw a pundit talk about that. How cool was it that he was sitting down with a foreign dignitary and he was also dropping bombs somewhere else in the world? The guy really said that. Yeah. And well, like, you know, and that's fine. They love it. They think it's cool. Yeah, they get off That's on not the, the kind of multitasking I want out of my no. president. No. That hey, one, I'm that, having cake and killing people. <laughs> that one that one didn't concern me as much as watching, and I just got a smile on my face going, you got to be kidding me, uh, watching Geraldo Rivera. On, oh, my God. I think we need to go who, back to the time of George Washington. Where our commander in chief actually has to be on the front line, <laughs> right? It's actually, put him on a uniform and go. Different perspective, good lord, of what war is. What and I'm so too. sorry, Stein. I completely interrupted you. Back no, to that's Geraldo Rivera. No, no that's but good. you're but you're, you're right. spot, you made the point. You're spot on because history <laughs> changed completely when generals started leading from behind. <laughs> when they weren't in the vanguard leading the charge, yeah, everything, the entire way of war in in society flipped right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, the only thing I was going to add to that, it was just, I I just jaw-dropping open as I'm watching Geraldo Rivera defending Trump's erratic behavior yeah. with this, do you see that with this analogy about, I, I went to, high, I think he's at high school or college, I went to this high school with this guy named, was it Richie or Danny or Crazy Richie or Crazy Don? He had some oh, the funny bully, yeah, the bully, the, yeah. Yeah, the, joy, yeah, the story. And, yeah, and yeah, he yeah, tells yeah. a story about how the reason he was so effective is because he was just so erratic and he was just so out there, you didn't know if he was going to just be crazy or whatever, and it worked, and you're you're like you're literally defending this man's beyond that you're <laughs> you're saying a good thing? right you're saying that a high school bully mentality is what we need in the yeah. white house Again, okay, everything messed up from adults comes from their experience in high school. Right? <laughs> I am right? serious. Oh, that's Let funny. it go. It was high school. Move on with your lives. Yeah. Well, that's spoken from somebody who had, probably had a really nice high school experience. Not exactly. Does anybody? <laughs> I don't know. Some oh, people do. Oh, come on. Some people have a good high school experience. Some people peak. I yeah, well, did not. That, I that. Was that doesn't not... mean it had a good experience. It just means they peaked. <laughs> and they got worse. Oh, God, that's horrible. Yeah, I didn't even think about too. that. <laughs> I think that was just the best they experienced. You know, I remember. I missed the days of being getting a wedgie and being shoved into a locker. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 so <laughs> but let's let's dip into that a little bit because I do. I want to talk about North Korea a little bit. Um, right. Speaking of bullies. Yeah. So <laughs> the first one we saw in the news was the Armada, as uh, Donald Trump called it, sending it to Korea. And the whole time, and even getting verified inadvertently by General Mattis and by uh, the National Security Advisor. Uh, what's his name? Anna Seriously, Spots. an Armada. Right. 
Okay. And the Carl Vinson Group, and I have had two friends who've uh, served on the Carl Vinson, and uh, it's it's a big. Obviously, it's one of our biggest carrier groups. It's a lot of ships, and and it didn't, as you turn out, just in case you missed the news, it was never steaming towards Korea. It was a thousand miles away doing exercises in Australia yes, as planned. He lied. He. I, I think this or is it was a ca- completely uninformed. <laughs> Either Trump way. uninformed perish the thought but people in his defense have heard to say well all they had to do is to say the order and they could just turn around and go over there yeah that's an argument but that's this is a giant it doesn't uh, work yeah have way. you turned around a carrier group yeah it's not like that <laughs> it's not a plane it's, it's worse than a big station wagon from the 70s everybody it takes kind of a while to get that going the and it goes way. 25 knots it's not fast no it's really slow <laughs> It takes a really long time. It didn't go fast now, but they're not going to run it faster than that because no. they wouldn't. So uh, this to me is a case. It's actually somewhat randomly encouraging to me um, because it's an emperor has no clothes thing. Uh, uh, you yeah. know, where even because Mattis and you can tell these other guys, because one of the things everybody was hoping for is the mad dog Mattis and these other these other longtime career guys could be relied upon to give straight answers. Any right? adult who likes to be referred to a nickname Mad Dog <laughs> is not a reliable a adult. Yeah, a little, so little people scared. who were expecting that, um, <laughs> they were setting themselves up for some great disappointment. Yeah. I, wait I, a minute, I, wait a minute. So so Psycho Steve Bannon is not a good advisor to have at the president's side? Racist Steve I, Bannon. Uh, what? Darth what? Vader Bannon. What? Isn't that how he liked to refer to himself? Yeah. Sith Lord Steve Bannon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, this is, this is wonderful. And so it, I watched his words carefully because right. I really wanted to see what seems to be going on here. And it does seem to be another classic example of you've got the Trump camp. There, I assume the Reince Priebus's and the and the and the and whatever Steve Bannons who are have made it their job to listen to the latest narrative. Let's just right. be kind of Donald Trump and then go Spicer, you're on it. Go tell everybody this is true, right? And they all just kind of sit around and go, yes, Mr. President, absolutely, Mr. President. And it got all the way to the point where it's getting over to CENTCOM, it's getting to Mattis, and they're hearing this thing about him saying battle group to North Korea, and quite frankly, they did a coup because the military said, we're not going to do that. Interesting. And they just said, no, we're not going to head up. Because you know, if you know anything about the military, sending the Carl Vincent Carrier Group down for exercises is a multi-million dollar every moment of this, every second operation. It, you don't just go, hey, let's go float around the South China Sea for a little while just for the hell of it to, uh, to, to have, you know, to show braggadocio. You don't. No. You don't interrupt <laughs> something that involves tens of thousands of people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Carl Vincent has got like 5,000 people on it alone. Right. You know. Or something. I can't remember the number. And uh, you can check, check that for yourself. But so to me, it's like the military went, no, we're just going to pretend to agree with him in public because that's apparently what we have to do because he's the president. That is but the we're going to continue. That is the most polite coup ever. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no bloodshed. No, no people screaming way. in the streets. Only, no destruction of property. That's simply like a British type of coup. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's uh, quite uh, all right. Quite <laughs> all right. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Mr. President, we're going to have to say politely, oh, no, thank you. No, no, thank you. No, thank we're you. going to save face for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, so, and it's the same thing with the cruise missile thing. If it was like, oh, my gosh, it was so terrible. Was, you know what? That kind of showed to me that, that, that mostly the cooler heads of the military, because 
you know, they, he probably would have wanted something much worse. That's why he sent, said, go send the, the send a carrier. They're probably sitting in the meeting. And he said, what can we do to, to go after Korea? Can we, like, send a carrier group around there? And they went, well, I guess so. And he probably went, do that, do that. And then Wrights went, yeah, do that. And Steve Bannon went, yeah, do that. And they all kind of went. Okay. Do, do, do you have any idea what's involved with doing that, sir? Let's just and then the <laughs> no, general. No, he already left the room. Ah! Right, right, exactly. So he leaves the room, right? And then the admirals just go, "We're not really going to do that, are we?" And like, oh hell no! Of like, course no. we're not going to do that. Oh hell no! That's crazy. <laughs> just tell him we did it. He won't know the difference. And then, of course, the Washington Post and the New York Times find out a few days later that it never moved. Right. And they just kind of hope it disappears and, and well, they don't I, worry about it. I, right? I looked at it's probably a pretty safe thing to do because I I doubt that you know Trump could find either. Korea or or Indonesia or Australia on a globe. So you could just tell him, yeah, it went there, and he wouldn't know any better. Well, he certainly couldn't find his heart the other day. Hello! Uh, And what she's talking about, I'm sure you saw the video, at the Easter egg, the national anthem was played, he didn't put his heart on it, and Melania first first told Barron. Donald, Donald, put put hand on heart, heart. Donald. And and his critics said, (laughs) petty. And I said, well, okay, petty. But if Obama had done that, you wouldn't call it petty. You would call it un-American. And it's proof that he's part of the Muslim Brotherhood. Exactly. So, (laughs) Was it petty when Trump said Obama was not born in the United States and led that whole birther movement? Well, mm, hypocrite Mm. much? When we come back, Mm. uh, I want to follow up on that one more thing because there's nothing that happened in Korea that was Obama's deal that has barely been reported, which was monumental and huge. That when we return to Jeff's World. Welcome back to Jeff's World. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferrison and Jeff Hendrick and Executive Brian helping us out. In fact, Executive Brian's got a, a quick fact about Carl. How many people in the Carl Vincent? 3,200. 3,200. There you go. So that's a lot of folks. That's a small town. <laughs> it's a small floating town. It's bigger man. than a lot of towns. It's bigger than thousands of towns in America. It, it's, it was, let me think. Yeah, it was about, it's, it's about half the size of Turlock when I first moved there when I was a kid. There you go. I think Turlock had 6,400 people, so it's just about half. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. <clears throat> Ship's company is 3,200. The air wing is 2,480. Oh, there is 5,000. Wow. Right, about 5,000. And there you go. That is the population, 5, floating population of Turlock. Yeah. Plus, a very obviously, several support ships, uh, not only to bring them all, the, you know, the support, you know, the food, the gas, whatever, but also, uh, you know, they no, got you missile groups and You have and, a, you and, have a uh, destroyer guided, guided and a missile. Swipe, swiper and at least one sub usually. And the thing is, it's like, oh my oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it's a whole thing. <laughs> but they're going to get clever at this because I, I, I'm i sure afterwards they said themselves, you know, the generals and the admirals said, well, let's just tell Trump we sent a sub there. He won't know the difference. And then, and you remember, we talked about this off the air, Executive Brian, that because uh, you could just say, oh, yeah, we sent subs to the South China Sea. And, and he nobody was like, would, cool. Right, exactly. And nobody would be able <laughs> to they have nukes on him. But you can't hide a carrier group. You can say a sub was there. Right. <laughs> Nobody will know the difference. No. Right? And those are better anyway. You and then said when that. he's watching Fox News, which doesn't report this information anyway, but <laughs> if he gets wind that it never moved, they can just tell him, oh, no, that's fake news. That was only right. reported by the Washington Post. And be like, cool. Cool. <laughs> so here's something else that Obama did that you guys, if you guys didn't follow this, this is fascinating. You probably followed, though, that Korea did another missile launch, which went horribly wrong. North North Korea. North Korea, I should say. Right. Yeah. Not South Korea. Thank right. you. Right. <laughs> just, you know, a little, little, little yeah. it's importante. Uh, but, and by the way, as a quick tangent on yeah. that, it, you know, if you read international news, South Korea is pissed. Uh, they're freaking out with Donald Trump's and company's saber rattling because, like, ah, uh, we're the first target. If you hadn't noticed, Seoul is almost oh, yeah. literally a 
stone's throw yeah. across the DMZ. They, they could they could level Seoul right now with conventional weapons. And they would. And that, and if there was a war, Seoul goes first. Right. And Japan. So they're not real happy with all this. Uh, but anyway, that missile launch, most people don't know this, but that missile launch failed. Yes. Because we, we, we've had a... Uh, a cyber war a going on. Cy- we actually have... We've got a great cyber team that is jacked up their ability to shoot things off the ground. I think it blew up like right, like four feet off the ground. Yes. Because what they apparently, and I, and I don't understand it all because, you know, it's only so much they're going to declassify and let us understand. But Obama shifted a bunch of funds and resources towards the cyber attacks mm-hmm. of North Korea and basically got into their computers and their systems and sabotaged it. So that's why this missile broke up. And we did that to the Iranians too with their centrifuge yeah, devices. So this yeah, is, this is nothing new. We no, we're, yeah, this is we're where it's good computer warriors. Let me re- <laughs> tell the story again that he just referenced because yeah. Jeff Hendrick explained it. Okay, so what happened was we created this brilliant virus of among other things that went into the Iranian nuclear program and uh, destroyed their information and their hard drives and all their research. And it was so it was super effective. Of course, that's one of the reasons why they negotiated the Iran deal because they're like, okay, we're starting over anyway. It screwed the centrifuge. It screwed everything up. Yep. So they took that virus. Now, of course, when you put a virus in like that, you put it in this very complicated cyber warfare like that, well, they get to analyze it. So the Iranians, uh, with the North Koreans, because they're always working in tandem on their cyber warfare, if you didn't already know it, and their nuclear programs. So they analyze it and say, we're going to use this. Well, they couldn't use it back on the U.S. because, duh, if we're going to create a bug like that, we're going to also create the antidote. So you can't work it on us. But they worked it on Sony, as you guys remember that. Yeah. And what happened in Sony? It just it killed all the backup drives. That was the other part of the, this amazing uh, attack. And then remember, they had serious blackouts. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that was Obama <laughs> in retaliation. I didn't know any of this, but after they hacked into Sony, it was like. Oh, boy. Yeah. 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 We crashed their infrastructure for a few minutes. Yeah. And so um, this is this is the high-tech war we're in. Yeah. And Obama, to his credit, knew that this is what we got to do. We got to focus on these things. And so while everyone's paying attention to armadas that aren't heading to Korea, the Obama legacy was still saving our butts from Kim Jong-un. The other fun, crazy thing that came out of uh, uh, this whole thing is that it doesn't appear that Donald Trump really even knows who the leader of Korea is. He never says Kim Jong-un. He keeps referring to him as this gentleman. The gentleman does this and the gentleman does that, which to me is way too kind to begin with. Probably wouldn't call him a gentleman. I don't think he can remember his name properly. That's not my only, thought. He made, I think that's part of it. Yeah. But the other part of it is, is that there was one of these news shows I'm watching. They aggregated all his clips where he referred to everything that he referred to Korea on. And there was about six different clips. And the different events he referred to were all the different leaders. Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-il, and soon, oh God, who was the guy? His father who preceded. Right, right. So he referred to all three major leaders, and in these clips, you could tell he conflated all of them into this one contemporary person that didn't exist and still couldn't name his name. Hence the gentleman. The gentleman. Okay, and, I'm, uh, I'm going to say That's it. like when you forget somebody's name and you're like, hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, hey, boy. What's yeah. up? What's happening? Hey, buddy. Uh, hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. Oh, uh, I honestly think, and I, I think based on some of what he said about his past, uh, that Donald J. Trump is suffering from late stage untreated syphilis. <laughs> I agree. That. I don't know. It may be. I don't Dude, know. Dude, the more. He and you Nero. Wa- <laughs> The more erratic his behavior becomes, the more forgetful he is, the more just loony he becomes. 
I started looking it up, and I talked to my dad, who's a retired physician, and I said, does this sound right? And my dad said, well, I remember treating VD when I was in the military, doctor. Yeah, this kind of looks like what happens what, if you let that go. Whatever happened when world leaders would mispronounce the other guy's name? Like Bush would always say yeah, Saddam right. instead Sedan. of Saddam. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Were they doing that just to piss him off? Or right. No. I, I, think, I, think Ron, I think Ronnie Reagan did because it's his damn shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of been a, a nice underhanded uh, yeah. classic uh, thing. So, Okay. So uh, when we come back, I want to talk about um, – you know, Donald Trump's hire American, buyer American uh, elect- executive order and how that flew with his own voters and how it flew with some of the Republicans who are concerned about their hides in this climate of anti-Trumpists when we return to Jeff's World. Thank you so much for listening to Jeff's World. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick and Executive Brian. And uh, one more piece that we were talking about while we were off the air there. Because, uh, you know, they had the referendum, if you didn't follow that, in Turkey, where the President Erdogan, who had recently, you know, he, they jailed a bunch of uh, people. You remember, if you've been watching it, it's been absolute turmoil in Turkey for a little while. And you probably also know that Donald Trump has a Trump Tower in Istanbul not Constantinople. And <laughs> thank you for knowing that reference. Yeah, Istanbul, know that. not Constantinople. Constantinople. Istanbul. <laughs> Was that a Disney cartoon? No, it's actually... They might be giants. They might be giants. That's right. They might be giants. crazy little band called They Might Be Giants. Yeah, and they're so funny. From New York. Uh, Brooklyn, I believe. So Istanbul. Not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, there was also a cartoon. That no, there is a cartoon that goes with it. With a bull. Yeah, yeah. The whole Istanbul. Yeah, yeah. and they even use like Warner Brothers cartoons. There's, I don't know what it was, but it yeah. was one of the okay. uh, the major. You know, yeah. So <laughs> Istanbul, not Constantinople. Um, and they had the referendum where not only did international observers of the election scream foul, but even. The uh, override, the oversight body that Erdogan hired, uh, that he himself said, yeah, that wasn't a fair election. That that was yeah. n- not a fair election. Now, the result of the election was a dramatic expansion of presidential powers. It made, gave him oversight over the judiciary. It gave him oversight over the parliament. It literally, almost made literally- Made him a dictator. It made him a dictator. Yeah. It almost literally, it made him vetoed power almost everything. And so- what does Donald Trump do? Congratulations. You're so cool. He <laughs> called yeah. and said congratulations. Yeah. At least that's what they said. They, they, they told everyone that he called them. Uh-huh. And just so you have a little context, no Western leader called him yep. after that referendum. Most Western leaders Con- from condemned it. Condemned it <laughs> yeah. openly, <laughs> yep. publicly. And our president... Again, flip it. If uh, President Obama had said "Good job, Kenya" or something, you know, they would have absolutely, uh, you know, Somalia. But he has tr- a Trump Tower there. He does, right? And so, I mean, this is his. I mean, it's, it's not simple. America first; it's Trump first. So none of this yeah. should be shocking at all. Well, yeah. So you know, again, if this bothers you and you hear it, I'm kind of smiling because I, I go back to my analogy. This is the high speed car chase. I just want you to hear this so you can know that this this is happening. This is these these guys are dirty. I have to make a transition here to pop culture because okay. I think this is interesting because here we are, you know, we're talking about Trump's involvement with Turkey and, and how corrupt it is and that's just a, a it's a, a it's going down the pipes with regard to their system. Right. But yet you see sports athletes 
Turkish Airways. You see Kobe yeah. Bryant. You yeah. see all the soccer players. So are they going to stop? Where, where's it? Where do you draw the line on you know holding people responsible for that type of stuff? Well, also Turkey is the second largest military force in NATO. That's right. That's a big deal too because NATO suddenly was like, well, wait a second, this isn't a body of democratic organizations protecting you know each other. No, and it's our staging area for all of our shenanigans yes. in the Middle East. Yes. Yeah, without without that airbase, we don't do what we do over there. That's why um, the Armenian genocide was not recognized in this country for so long. And it's because of that airbase we have in Turkey. And the first president to just kind of slightly hint toward it was was Bill Clinton. Yeah. 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 This is as sticky as international gets. And here we are. What do you do? You're, you know, you've, you've, you've said I do and you've married this guy and then he peels off the mask after the wedding and it's... Oh God! It's Erdogan, and he's he's decided he's going to consolidate all of his power into his back pocket. I think that's lovely. You do what Joni said. And just tell him that that is Not just inappropriate <laughs> behavior. <laughs> I thought, cut I thought you, that out. I thought you were going to send Joni Jody over there to you know bite him where it counts and neuter him. Well, that's what she does with pigs. Or on her farm. you could divorce. <laughs> right. So Joni Ernst, <laughs> let's get back to Joni Ernst because uh, uh, she, of course, uh, do we have to? Well, they asked her about higher American, buyer American, okay, right, then. and right. about how Donald Trump does not, nor does Ivanka. Everything they, almost everything China, they manufacture China, China. is in China. So Joni Ernst was asked, here's what she said: well, Maybe he puts his money where his mouth is and and brings some of those jobs here. And and again, right? He's she's already starting to say maybe you know it's all soft and softballs. But I do. But, this is a big but deal. I do see your point. These for somebody who has been you know a Tea Party yep. righty, a tribalist that, Republican, a tribalist Tea Party to, to, Republican. Yeah. you know that is a step That's growth. forward. That's massive that is growth. A first step. That is literally admitting that I've drunk before. It's like, oh, yeah, I might have <laughs> had a few drinks. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I was, I was driving this Thank school God. bus full of kids over the over yeah. a cliff. Well, it's just acknowledging, you know, that the grass is green. Yeah. I mean, just acknowledging a basic, simple fact for, you know, tea partiers, that is a huge step forward right. and again while donald trump uh, signed this i know right we were trying to you know embrace the the growth <laughs> even though it's hard we're sometimes. embracing the growth and it goes back to what we said in our last show that there's going to become to a point where uh you know don't it's going to get worse and worse for donald trump and the supporters are going to get hurt the worst and we're going to have to just say hey no it's cool don't worry about it we totally get i get why you voted for him uh and now we're going to fix it <laughs> together because we have to re-embrace everyone. Uh, the only way we can get over this tribalism is to is to re-embrace each other. And and and, and then, like I said, say okay, like you just did there, Erica. Okay, it's a big growth for Joni Ernst. <laughs> it ain't exactly monumental, but it's, it's not growth. monumental by our standards. But but for her, but for her, is. and for somebody who's a huge yeah. tea partier, uh, yeah, unheard of. Yeah, that's it's it's tantamount to her saying we should we should impeach him in yeah. my book. It's yes, that close. It is really, and it's funny because. This is the left, and those of us, uh, like the people on the show, have always pointed out his suits are made in China. His <laughs> Actually, his suits are made in Mexico, the ties are made in China, China, and the shirts are made in Bangladesh. Right, and some are in Honduras and, and some are Honduras. Other places. Yeah. So not a single American is making a living off of Donald Trump's uh, branded 
sportswear. And he just went to snap on tools and, you know, screamed about hire American, buy American and, and didn't take any questions because obviously the first question any reporter would have asked right. was, well, when what are about you going to do yeah. it? Yeah. And that, again, this is showing up in the polling. They're asking Trump voters, what do you think? Do and they as say, I say, not as I do. Yeah, it's that simple. Here's Jake Tapper, who broke down a little bit. I think it's a good little segment, to, in case you didn't know all the things we were talking about here. Buying American and hiring American. It's time, the president said today, repeatedly, assailing cheap, subsidized, and low-quality foreign goods. It's an important issue. It's one I asked then-candidate Trump about in June 2015 because, of course, many Trump corporation products are not made in the U.S. Far from it. None As of you them. may or may not know, this is a Trump tie. Yes. I bought it for this interview. Oh, not only that, I mean, I buy a lot of stuff because... But as you know, they're made in China. Very beautiful tie, by the way. It's a lovely tie. Yeah. It's made in China. Correct. Is it hypocritical at all for no, you to not talk at all. about this? No, not at all. Trump is the ties, of course. Trump clothing, according to reporting by the CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post, is made in Bangladesh, it's made in Pakistan, it's made in India and Honduras, in addition to the U.S. Ivanka Pakistan. Trump apparel okay. is also made in China and Indonesia and Vietnam. Now, as for hiring Muslim American, countries, CNN Indonesia. Review found that the president, as a corporate head, has hired more than 1,300 oh. foreign guest workers to work at his various businesses here in the U.S. over the past 15 years, including requesting 78 visas to staff his two Florida properties for this year. This year? Yeah. He asked for 78 visas in 2017. And it's interesting because now they're starting a review of the H-1B visa program. Yes. Now they're doing it. Now that he's staffed everybody with people that are right. taking jobs let anybody away else from in. Americans, now we can't let anybody else in. Yeah, so they're getting it though, but this is this is penetrating. That's what I'm so encouraged by. It's angering. It's make it makes you crazy. It makes you mad. But it is uh, we're, we're we're it's still it's still penetrating. So meanwhile, it went further than that. He was in Snap On, and he talked about NAFTA, right? Which in this room right. you'll get even equal. Uh, but let me play the clip real fast of Donald Trump. NAFTA has been very very bad for our country. It's been very very bad for our companies and for our workers. And we're going to make some very big changes or we are going to get rid of NAFTA for once and for all. Cannot continue like this, believe me. Can I have a moment of petty for two seconds? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As a lifetime writer, when he says very, 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 the first thing you learn in writing is you never use the word very or really. Because it's so un- incredibly non. You certainly don't use it three <laughs> times in a row. That, yeah. Aside I, from that, I applaud what he's saying. <laughs> right. So I. It's so great. Right. He says, "Get rid of NAFTA." Absolutely. Which he can't do unilaterally as the president of the United States. But let's Correct. not get it's into a treaty. that. You have yeah, to go through treaty. the Senate. Filibuster. Yes. Details. Even potential. You can Sorry filibuster a treaty. So he can't take care of it. Well, and I taught, I teased at the top of the show that Donald Trump has an Iowa problem. Okay. Because Iowa is one of these places that benefits mightily from NAFTA, as does Indiana for one thing, corn. We yep. sell, what was it? In fact, let me get to, in fact, they asked Joni Ernst about it in, in that same town hall. Iowa Senator Joni Ernst, what do you think about NAFTA and all that? My concerns is with NAFTA and what's your feelings with that and how to continue with that. For NAFTA, actually, Iowa has benefited a lot because of our commodities. Perhaps we could do some tweaks and renegotiation with NAFTA, but we certainly want to protect our Iowa interests and make sure that we are exporting the commodities that we are raising on our farms. Right. Mexico yeah. imported 38 million tons of corn from Iowa last year. And Indiana. 
Yeah. Where uh, Mike Pence is a fighter for NAFTA, too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, her whole thing about <clears throat> we got to protect our farmers, that's corporate farming. You know, I don't believe she cares one whit about John Q. Farmer. She yeah, cares way more yeah. about Cargill and Monsanto. Mm -hmm. I don't think she cares at all about the average Iowan. Yeah. Well, she we're going to find out. She never has. And this is for Iowans to figure out, and, and this is a good thing. It's interesting about, because corn and soybean pr uh, prices have dropped so low that finally uh, Japan is beginning to import U.S. beef over Australian beef, and that hasn't happened since the mad cow scare 14 years ago. Yes! Um, so we are exporting beef again in the United States. Yeah. It's what's for dinner. Somewhere. Yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> and, and on the corn front, because of the threats to NAFTA... Uh, Mexico has been negotiating with South American countries to get their corn from South America. Yeah. And <laughs> we don't want that in Iowa. I now, don't think do that's we? because of NAFTA. I think that's because of the president of Mexico and Trump's relationship. Right? That probably doesn't help. Yeah. I, think I you're mean, right. come on. Yeah. He's calling his people rapists and murderers. and Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, it doesn't. It, it almost surprised me that Mexico isn't paying to build a wall just to keep us out <laughs> at this point. They you know? <laughs> Can you, you know? imagine? Oh my gosh, that's brilliant! Can you imagine yeah, if Mexico right? goes? You know what? We are going to build a wall, we and we're going to pay for it, and none of you can cross it. <laughs> there is yeah. no more Ziawatanejo for you. <laughs> nice one. There's no more Wabo Cabo for you. Oh, I love Sammy Hagar has to go be deported back to the U.S. Oh, no. And then you would have all the Trump people... Just rallying, no wall, no wall, no wall. The uh, Forbes, I think it was, uh, published the other day that they're guessing that the Trump administration's ill will, I don't even want to say policies, just general right. ookiness, has cost the United States almost $2 billion, with a B, dollars in uh, tourist dollars from Mexico and South America. Right. Because they're going to Canada. Because Canada's got a groovy leader, and they embrace everybody, and oh yeah, have yeah. a joint, because it's legal up here. Yeah. And so Mexicans- It's legal in California, too. Uh, not until 2018, until we get all the- uh, uh, Well, if it's sort yeah, exactly. They're, they're processing it. It'll be done by the end yeah, of Yeah, we have year. to figure out how to lock everybody up for it anyway. <laughs> Those systems aren't in place, so it's not quite legal yet. <laughs> all right, whatevs. Uh, but <sighs> it, again, as you can see- My you bad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and the thing, Joni Ernst is 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 panicking a little bit, and she, I was just looking up while you guys were talking. And she's not up until 2020, um, so she's got some time still, and yet she's nervous enough. As uh, she should, as she should be. That says a lot. Too. She hitched her wagon to 45 pretty hard, and now that's you, you're stuck yeah. with him. And again, I don't fault anyone for hitching their wagon to it because if he did what he said he was going to do on the campaign trail, I mean, we were all starting. Remember, we started his presidency going, hey, infrastructure, let's go. Buy right, American, hire you. American, let's go. That is that is the word I have heard more and more from both Democrats and Republicans on any major news outlet yeah. is had he walked in day one and said, here is my infrastructure plan. Yeah. Let us rock and roll this and get jobs going. Be careful what you wish for because the infrastructure plan he is pushing is a quote-unquote public-private enterprise. And anytime you hear public-private, it's going to be more private. Yeah. Screwed. Fair enough. Yeah. It's the public getting screwed by the private. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. But that also, the, all of all of that could have been tweaked and adjusted. He wasn't doing an FDR works program. No. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But hey. Had he been, I'd be on board. Right. Exactly. Okay. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the tax day protest too. Tax day march and other things when we return to Jeff's world. He promised during the campaign that he would reveal his taxes. In fact, how many clips have you got here? He would reveal them after this. He would reveal them after that. Oh, then he'd put it off. Do you think he he ever will? I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I think that people are going to keep demanding it, and they're going to keep demanding it and making their voices heard on this. Yeah. uh, Welcome back to Jeff's World. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferris and Jeff Hendrick and Executive Brian. And there you go, right? And and. This is actually shaping up that way. First of all, the tax march, which was another like 125,000 people uh, spread out over a, a bunch of places in, in America, America, uh, saying, hey, we want to see your tax returns. And of course, he went on Twitter and dismissed it and said, nobody cares, nobody whatever, you know, and, 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 you know, and a, a paid group. He said a, a group of paid organizers, uh, you know, yeah, made a uh, fake But protest. see, all the paid organizers can reveal their taxes and show that they weren't paid. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you know, funny. Just show your taxes. It th- there's a rule in politics, right? If you're if you've taken some money and you're being criticized, you know, cuz you took money from such and such corporation, you know how you end that controversy? You go public with it. You give the money back. Yeah. yeah. You just you're like I-, I took it, take it back. I was wrong. And guess what happens to the story? It's done. It's over. It yeah. dies. Yeah. He is keeping this story going by not showing his taxes. If he wants to kill this story, show your taxes. And like my favorite line that conservatives say all the time, hey, if you've got nothing to hide, what's the problem? Right. right. Show them. Well, that's that's how they want to destroy the Fourth Amendment in this right, country. Right, right, <laughs> Of illegal search and seizure. Oh, you got, got nothing, nothing to hide. hide. Just that's look. right. That's exactly let us, let us right. into your house. Hey, uh, if you're no. not doing anything wrong... Show us your taxes. But what's the problem? I'll tell you what the problem is, is that he is... A money launderer? Hundreds of millions of dollars in debt to the Bank of Cyprus. Now, the Bank of Cyprus only exists because the vice president of Deutsche Bank got blown out for right. exactly what you said, Erica, laundering Russian thug money. So he opened up the Bank of Cyprus and, oh, well, we're back up doing business as usual again. And there's a very big connection between our president and the Bank of Cyprus. And he it, that would have to be somewhere on some sort of form or paper that he's filed because he is hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars in debt to what is basically a criminal organization. And well, even if... Go ahead. No, no, I interrupted you. No, you didn't. Well, I we was talked at the same time. <laughs> this, is, this is the problem that Trump is causing. Yeah. We can speculate. We have conjecture. We can theorize, surmise... Show your taxes to put it to the, to an end since there's nothing there and you're on the up and up. And what's been leaking out of the White House is from, from the Steve Mnuchins and the Wilbur Rosses and all these different folks that uh, are involved in this that when they say, when they ask them about, hey, you know, you're going to try to do a tax reform and from left to right, they've all come to this chorus of, 
if we do tax return reform, we're going to be screwed because the first question that the Congress and the American people are going to ask is, how does this new tax structure benefit or affect the president? Right. And isn't Ross, Ross is the guy who got, got booted out of Deutsche Bank over yes. the whole scandal. And now he's like part he, should of the... be, he should be in prison. Yeah, he may as be. As opposed to be part of the cabinet. I wouldn't be surprised if he's part of the frog march, which we defined. Thank you, Fred. And... Uh, <laughs> Again, if you, even if you don't think that this high-speed chase is coming along in terms of Russia and his connections, uh, because, again, we had another one just broke. NBC News caught a, got a picture of, I showed you guys, that Michael Flynn yeah. sitting down in 2015 at a party after being paid $45,000 by Vladimir Putin and Russian Times News to speak. They sat down with a banquet, which Jill Stein was there, interestingly enough, because they promoted her heavily on Russian times, on Russian uh, media, which is no, there's no gap. There's no daylight between Sputnik and RT and the, and the, 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 uh, the Russian government. It, it is absolutely in lockstep. And if you don't believe that, look around. It is true. And so here's this meeting. They're all hanging out in 2015, uh, congratulating each other for it. It's like, it's just so obvious. Uh, but if you don't have to believe it, even still, you should still ask, like Erica pointed out, you, you, we got to know how the ta- taxes benefit, too. I mean, that's what happened to Richard Nixon. I'm not a crook. That was the whole thing, because of taxes. Ironically, I, that, I think a lot of people don't realize that I mean, him saying, I'm not a crook, was talking about his taxes, taxes and not Watergate. Because he only paid $380 in one year and then $280 in taxes the next year. And they went, what? And so he had to release all his returns. And and then he paid $400,000 in back taxes. And he's not a multimillionaire. He was basically living off the $200,000 a year at that time to be the president and some other ancillary businesses. And he had to pay back. He was busted for it. And that's what started this tradition. So that you would know that your president is obeying the rules. He's not a crook. Now, the one thing that is still institutionalized is he is required to be under audit. And so the IRS automatically checks to make sure, now that he's president, the IRS automatically checks to make sure he's paying his taxes. Right. And there is but no it, there is no law on any book that says you cannot release your taxes while being under audit. Correct. Okay, we, that's something that, that lie. I can't believe that that lie is still bandied about with any straight face at all. Yeah. Because it's not the truth. <laughs> yeah. It's simply a lie. I yeah. can't release like, these because I'm under audit. There are weapons of mass destruction lie. <laughs> uh, yes. And uh, you know what? The whole uh, yellow cake from Ni- 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 mm-hmm. Nigeria. Uh, yellow cake is delicious, people, and you should eat more <laughs> of it. Okay? I know chocolate cake over at uh, Mar-a-Lago gets a lot of good press, but let's not forget that yellow cake, yellow cake lives matter, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not found in Nigeria. And it's not nope. vegan. And um, it's not found what in... What I didn't find in Nigeria I, what I was the title find. of his article. <laughs> so okay. That would be Joe Wilson, correct? Yes. Yeah. 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 Good old Joe. Um, it... But again, look at the lessons. We are learning so many lessons. One of the lessons I think we're learning is that you want somebody pay your taxes. In, well, that too. You want somebody in the presidency who has done public office, and I think that's an important lesson <laughs> that we're learning. You, uh, it's like if you want somebody in the NBA, you probably want them to have picked up a basketball, not just watched a game. Uh, you want them to actually have played a game. And and, and so and our president currently is attempting to dribble a football down the court. <laughs> That's a good one. That's exactly about and right. And it ain't working too good. <laughs> Dribbling a football is beautiful. <laughs> uh, so, 
And the other lesson... This ball is terrible. It's a sad loser ball. It's got points on it. It doesn't dribble well. Yeah. And, and it's we're learning we have to pay attention. It's nice. I love seeing how much Americans are, are, are paying attention to what is going on. And we're also... One of the other lessons we're learning is about male dominance and gender and all this sort of thing. Uh, a new book came out on Hillary. We're going to talk about that after I come back from the break. But um, the, the, uh, it's, it's... I think Bill O'Reilly's really learning that lesson. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to segue into it. Bill O'Reilly looks like he might be done at Fox News, which is a rare moment. If you've ever watched the media, and I, it tends to things kind of under the rug. They get yeah. brushed under. You make that host disappear for you know six months or a year or whatever, a little bit of time. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a suspension for a week, and I'll then tell they're back. You why? Because the the people leading the boycotts, they realize don't make this about Bill O'Reilly's show because what happens is the advertisers do exactly what you say. They wait they lay it out. low. You have to go after the you know the entire thing. Fox News. Yes. Fox corporation and that's that's i think the difference that you're seeing here and we've reached a critical mass because obviously with roger ailes and all of these guys it was institutionalized yeah it was you know we talked about in the last episode they obviously the hr department wasn't completely on board with it because there's no way you could have do all that you know you couldn't make that many payouts over and over and over again and keep an employee i've been in corporate situations where somebody got a whiff you know this executive brian somebody just gets a whiff of sexual harassment and 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 the company is is dumping them faster than you know so it, it had to have been institutionalized. Well, that may be actually, he may actually have gotten his come up. And so, I mean, we're going to see if it actually comes through. But can, uh, can the three of us get together, four of us get together and write a book called Killing O'Reilly now? <laughs> so when we return, a little bit on Hillary and then some good lightning round news. I think you're going to appreciate when we turn to Jeff's world. Many, many academics have written about it. And it's a pretty simple, but unfortunate uh, phenomenon. With men, success and ambition are correlated with likability. So the more successful a man is, uh, the more likable he becomes. With a woman, guess what? It's the exact opposite. So the more successful and therefore ambitious a woman is, the less likable she becomes. That's the inverse correlation that lies at the heart of a lot of the uh, attacks and the misogyny. And it's unconscious. It's not like people, you know, say to themselves, well, you know, she's ambitious, she's successful, therefore I don't like her anymore. But the way our politics is structured and high-level public positions, that seems to be sort of baked into uh, the reality. So... When I think about, uh, I left the I left the State Department as Secretary of State. I had like a 65 percent approval rating. People thought I had really done a good job, which I was, you know, very touched by. And and it was a job that I was asked to do by a man, President <laughs> Obama, right? Right. So I did it to the best of my ability and came out. And some people said at the time, the most popular public official or high-profile public person in politics in the country. Well, what happened? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You know, by the time they finished with me, I was typhoid Mary. And 
Poor Mary. I mean, she didn't deserve it either when you go back and look at the history. Welcome back to Jeff's World. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick. It's interesting dialogue. That's obviously Hillary Clinton. I wanted to get your opinion on that, Erica. First on the idea that uh, that there is. There's kind of this correlation where as a woman gets successful for some reason, and it's not just that men find her less likable, women find her less likable. Do you feel like that's that makes sense? Do you have any experiential component of that? Do you observe that? Because I, I know when I tell this to women, go ahead, you have a thought or you don't have anything? So I, you know, honestly, I have been fortunate enough that this has not been my experience. Good, okay. I find that um, in the political world, I find when you're competing against people, whoever gets on top there's a lot of <laughs> whether out, it's no matter what <laughs> a man or a woman there's right. a lot of jealousy and competition and and it looks one way if it's a man and one way if it's a woman right. but just because i have been fortunate enough to have come behind women who have cleared the path and made it easier for me um, it doesn't mean that it's still not out there and it still doesn't exist and I, I know many women in business who do still experience um, you know this type of misogyny and and so I I do you know do think it is a very real thing absolutely because what I get I tell I, I mentioned this to a few women just anecdotally to kind of get their their opinion about it and one that kept coming up which is fascinating uh, some form of a comment from the lady saying um, well women we're just mean to each other when we get like when they get successful and and women can be so mean to each other and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And, and I know I would observe that as an actor. Uh, I would be sitting in a lobby, and you know this one too, Jeff Hendrick, where uh, I used to be always go to the auditions for the, the Budweiser. It was like goofy, goofy guy and hot model chick. And when you're in a room full of hot model chicks, the way they sneer at each other and look at each other and try to sabotage each other, I've witnessed it. And I was like, wow. Yeah, I was an actress, and I, I was never sent out on those calls for hot model chicks, so I wouldn't know. But no, feel, feel, feel. It's, I, n- neither was I. I'm I'm I'm, I'm with <laughs> Jeff I, in the big I, goofy bolt. I uh, have been in those situations too. But but what you're saying though reminds me though of a Louis C.K. joke, <laughs> where you know he has two girls and he talked about in one of his stand-up acts so long ago, and he was like, oh my gosh, he's he said boys, they will they will break your stuff. Right. They will tear up your house. They will just destroy <laughs> it. And he said, but girls. They will tear out your heart. And then he did, he's like, you know, like boys are hanging off the rafters, breaking your stuff. Right. And he said, you know, your five-year-old will just look at you over breakfast and say, no wonder you weren't popular in high school. Right. <laughs> like they're just... <laughs> Oh, when you when you said that your friend said that women are mean, I I don't know that it reminded me of that that joke. But um, having said that, that is a reality. Um, I do not believe that that is why Hillary Clinton was not elected president. Well, as it turns out, you're you're. I mean, I think a lot of people agree. And tell me if you don't agree. Uh, there there you can't possibly say it was one thing it was such an aggregate of three reasons why hillary lost uh but it wasn't certainly that one much thing. of it had to do with her role as secretary of state 
that many people disagreed with how she... Well, for you, certainly, yeah. Honduras, yeah. Dolores Huerta, I mean... Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot there. And so um, I think people need to be accountable regardless of gender. Well, one of the things... Go ahead. I was also curious. I thought Susan Rice was Typhoid Mary. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah, right. Really, Hillary? You got to steal that from her? Come on now. That's just <laughs> so, mean. So uh, a book just came out, Shattered, and it's called Shattered because obviously it plays on the idea of shattering the glass ceiling, but the campaign didn't end up shattering the glass ceiling and end up losing, right? So it's Shattered. And it was written by these two authors who are reporters. Tulsi and- Gabbard, Elizabeth Warren, probably might have shattered that glass ceiling. Because they, I mean, you don't want to put somebody with such a high negative rating as your front runner. But go ahead, I interrupt. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's, but this is the point is you make the point that there was a whole thing. Everything from Russia and James Comey and all this stuff and Bernie Sanders highlighting the fact that she's not as favorable to progressives as you'd like. All the way out to (laughs) her time as Secretary of State. Everybody, it's, it's everything but Hillary Clinton herself. Wait, wait for it. So... There is one thing in this book that was telling and new, and read it for yourself because I have to, I'm kind of paraphrasing, and so I'm not doing it proper justice. But these two reporters were giving, as they say, unprecedented access. They were allowed to be in the campaign through the whole time with the for the purpose of writing this book afterwards. With the only one caveat being that they could not talk about the campaign while they were on it, because that way they wouldn't be leaking out particulars until it was over. So now they've leaked it all out. Now they've talked about it all. Uh, one of the things we learned about is that the campaign was a mess. As it turns out, the campaign was way more of a mess than, than any of us understood. John Podesta and Robbie Mook, the two big, you know, the young Robbie Mook hotshot guy, and then John Podesta, the, the elder statesman who were running the campaign, apparently didn't hardly ever get along. And were, oh, that helps. And were pulling the campaign in two different directions all the time. Uh, that was a problem. And then, and these are my words, because you have to read the book to kind of explain all the particulars of it, because it's a very big subject. But the bubble factor. And I, we talked about this in the show a little bit, and you guys were right about this, and I'll give you that, is that Hillary Clinton is in a fame-slash-money-slash-establishment uh, bubble. And it, they were talking about how it was so hard to get an audience with her to get her the kind of truth about the populist uprising. So one of the narratives that Hillary Clinton had that she wouldn't let go of because she thought she wasn't getting much contradictory information as well as really believing in it was that— she looks at government like, hey, you can do anything with government, so government works, and we'll just go with it. We're just going to tweak the government and be fine. And nobody could quite explain to her, nor could it get into the bubble, that everybody in this country is absolutely livid at institutions and established institutions, and they think that's the problem. And so there was no acknowledgement in the campaign that there was a problem. They didn't see what Bernie saw or what even Donald Trump saw, which was huge outrage at the system. She thought, oh, none of the system's fine. We're just going to get a new person running and it'll be good. And you could say, well, she would have run it well. Yes, she would have absolutely run it well. But you couldn't get past that narrative to the voter. I have a 1971 Impala. It pollutes hugely. (laughs) It leaks oil. It gets two miles to the gallon. But I think if somebody else drives it, that car will be better. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, is that the logic that I'm hearing well, out of this camp? Much. That's kind of what wasn't getting through. Exactly. Because it's if a, somebody explained it to their that crappy way, car. you might have said, look, you got to throw <laughs> I, government out. You yeah. got to throw. And, and they didn't tell her you got to throw Wall Street under the bus. 
they didn't say you got to tell Wall Street that they're the problem because she looked at it like, well, it's not Wall Street that are bad guys. It's just a few bad guys and the institutions are wrong and we'll fix them. She profiting off of Wall Street. You can't throw them under the bus when you're receiving paychecks from them. That and whatever excuse people want to throw there, that was her doing and her choice. So, yes, you you that's really difficult to do. It's just like Donald Trump has his manufacturing firms over in Mexico and Bangladesh and China. Those are his choices. He needs yeah. to be responsible for that. Yeah. And, and well, well, part of what happened is you're right. Uh, you make this point. But, she, also, she didn't. but I just want to say this. Mm. All political campaigns are a mess. They are all. <laughs> yeah, you can They say are that. all shit shows. All of them. They're all. So that information is not. I mean, for people who have been in campaigns, and there's a lot of infighting. That's pretty. But in spite of that, you know, it, it comes down also that the person at the helm is the candidate. Like you had Michael Moore begging her, please come to Michigan. Yeah. Nope. Don't need to. Please come to Wisconsin. Mm-mm, I'm good there. Don't need to. Well, and they talk about that in the book a little bit with about Michigan and Wisconsin. They both run to the impression that the polls were fine and they were afraid if they went to with those states that the, the Republicans, that Donald Trump would up his game there. And, and they were trying to avoid, you know, it was dumb. They blew it. They know they blew it. And, and they see that. Uh, well, at least in the book, you'll read about it. And then also... And they had that and everything going in their favor, like CNN uh, reporters giving her the questions in advance. Through yeah, Donna, Donna Brazil, Brazil finally admitted that. Um, you know, and all, I mean, they, they no, really tipped the scales. They lowered the amount of debates in the primaries. I mean, she had way more money than, you know, Bernie and, and still... Well, and again, when we go back to like your your corporate, uh, you know, exposure from Hillary, it wasn't getting to her and she wasn't getting it uh, that because the, the people in the campaign were like there was a there was a portion of the campaign who was saying we need to release your Goldman Sachs speeches. We need to get out in front of it. We need to talk about it. We need to say that this was wrong. You need to disavow it. You need to say that that was then. This is now. And they just didn't get into the bubble to think that that was a, an issue. And I think the thing that they now they're m- going to win without it. They right. Thought. The thing that they missed was it wasn't the content of the speeches necessarily. It was the fact that she made them at all yeah. and that she was in part of the system. Oh, no, system. it was the content. We wanted to hear. Well, that too. What right. did you tell them? Well, yeah. No. Uh, but if they'd ran the I'm campaign. Pretty sure. What were you paid millions of dollars for in that speech? Because it must have been an incredible speech. I have no doubt about what she told them. Yeah. You know? Good job. Keep going. Exactly. I've got your back. I mean, don't do worry about it. Exactly. I've got your I've back. I've got your back. Don't worry about it. Things are going to keep going right on. Just let me smooth this out. Let me get in the Oval Office and everything will be hunky-dory and your bottom lines will be fat, my brothers. Well, we don't know. That's that, what she yeah. told them. I, I don't know if she did or did not, but the, that it is clear now in the postmortem Wait, that it was did, unaddressed. Did you honestly think she was going to go in there after receiving hundreds of thousands of dollars and said, look, I got news for you. I'm kicking all your asses when I get in the White House. Do you actually think well, she said that? She wouldn't have said that. No, uh, but, she, but Bernie I don't know. did <laughs> publicly, out loud, repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, here's yeah. here's what we're gonna. You're gonna do. yeah yeah that? No, no. I think that's absolutely. Uh, these are all salient points. I'm just yeah. I'm trying to make the point in terms of uh, 
that it was her campaign that that, that her that campaign didn't get and the mes- her they deafness failed to get the message through to her that and that she wasn't looking for it between ah, those two factors okay. for some reason between her bubble and her not wanting to open the bubble or whatever the problem was it's a, there's a lot of different you know forces going here but if she you never know if she had given the chance somebody if somebody if it had gotten through the thick skull of this campaign that this is your number one issue instead of everyone clearly telling her and their little group that oh no this is fine this is not an issue it's not a relevant you did you know? though have people that's, trying i know that's you what i mean they really did that's did. right and that was part of the fights between mook and podesta and such is like some some of the camps are like no this is the biggest most frustrating issue ever and you're not listening and they weren't and whether it was a combination of Hillary, and it was a combination of Hillary and again, her they can't make the candidate do. That's you right. Know, the right. No, thing. she blew it. I they, mean, in that sense, she blew you get it. a certain amount of error. But they also told her she was going to win, which is really bad too, because right. it makes you just go cautious. Which so is I have to say something about that, which I'm just finding very interesting. It is mm. a fine line, I think, when you are in a campaign, if you don't feel that you have a chance of winning that you're in the running it's very hard to motivate yourself yeah and your volunteers and your paid staff like people want to back a winner yep and and that's just i mean you guys know from sports and and not that people won't not that people won't but you gotta so i i think that's a very interesting fine line with you know there is a point to keeping your candidate like in that space of okay we got this we're doing good but you also have to have that part of like Truth mm, power. okay mm. um we need to work a little bit harder but if if you know if there's still this much more of the race to run and you have to run it and you tell them you know what you're you're doa whoo that's not necessarily the right way to go either because you got to get them to the end of the race yeah but but I I agree. I there's, mean, there was one more interesting factor out of it. We're running out of time. You okay? Okay. No, there's, that's very similar to being a baseball fan. Yeah, you know when your team is out of it by the All Star break and you still have to play a half a season. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's hard to get the players out on the field to that's really funny. go that's, and that's do it point. right. You know, I guess that's when you play for the love of the sport. Yes, and also, not for, for the win and for pride. That's another thing. We're playing for pride today. One more thing that was kind of seemed to be, and this is. Uh, my opinion, I'm gleaning from this, but is that uh, there was a pervasive belief in the Hillary Clinton campaign that the majority of Americans were desperate for a woman president. And that was not true. And it's the same as on the, there's a, there's still to this day. Was it true that we didn't want a woman or we we didn't want that woman is the question. No, but there wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't wasn't a clamoring. There wasn't a clamoring. Yeah. You know, a uterus in the white house. (laughs) And there was, a, that's a little harsh, but yes, there was a, you can say it, you have one. There was a, but there was a perception. Unless you had a hysterectomy, there you so go. I guess that, a vagina, but okay. Okay, either way. Hopefully you still have your vagina. Um, <laughs> and so. <laughs> Welcome to Jeff's World, everybody, where we hope everyone has a vagina. I think people wanted a president that was going to have their backs. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever that looked like, whatever religion, whatever gender. But it's a lesson to the transgender, bubble. Transgender, whatever. It is, yeah. The it's bu- a lesson to the bubble because they really believed that a women that, that there was a population that was yearning for a woman president. And at the time, the issue of economics was so far eclipsing whether or not we had a social change like that, it didn't even come close. Right. And they weren't getting that in the bubble either. And that is also like what's going on right now with the healthcare debate is that there is 
is a large percentage of Republican conservatives in mostly conservative districts who truly believe when polled that the majority of Americans want no government involvement in health care. They believe that's true. It is not true. The majority of Americans want government to make sure that pre-existing conditions are protected and all this sort of thing. So it's the same bubble of confusion. We're, we're at, I think it's we're at 61 percent now approval for, for single payer. No, no, no. No? So nationally, okay. it's in the 80s. And, it's in the 80s? And for Republican voters, uh. it's in the 60s. <laughs> nationally. Yeah. No, it's, it's huge, huge right now. Wow. It's already the, the, the discussion is almost over. And yet, Then what the hell, people? Let's get this done. Right. We're going to see because they're going to be under enormous pressure. The Tuesday group, uh, those people that are in those seats that John Ossoff types would easily unseat are are in a panic right now. As they should be. So one last fun story before we get out of here, because um, on the issue of the uh, of, of women's rights and stuff, uh, you guys can see this oh, picture. I, I over see here. the picture that you this got this picture up. I got up here. This is such an awesome story. Thank you. For, you know it. <laughs> Boston Marathon. This year, the the first registered woman to run the Boston Marathon is running again Fifty years later, oh, wow. she ran. Her name is Kathy Switzer. She ran fifty years ago. Uh-huh. And if you don't know this, I can kind of play the video in the background so you guys can see what's she, going on. She had to register with her initials and not her name to That's get right. in because they didn't, they didn't allow women to run. In. They didn't let men in. Women. Women in. Sorry, <laughs> women didn't let women in. And uh, so when she got in this race, and you can kind of see the video, you guys can describe it. But she, they. Tried race organizers literally went into the crowd and tried to pull her out of the race. There is a fantastic black and white photograph of that moment where yes. a guy in a suit is attempting to rip off her number, which would disqualify her for being in the race. Right. And there are three other runners yanking him off. Yes. Her. This was the most amazing <laughs> wow. part. It yeah. was a combination of these a-hole men trying to pull her out because, oh my God, a woman cannot be in a race. She'll break her uterus. They literally said stuff like that. Yeah. And then... Meanwhile, so they were doing it to protect her, right? That's what that's that's the lie they always use. I'll protect you because of by protecting your uterus. I'll protect your uterus. you from yourself. I'll protect yeah. you from yourself. But instead, men stepped up and said, "No, we're going to make sure she gets to run through." And she did get to run through, and she finished the marathon. And yeah. she's back here again, at and age, she's running again at age seventy. And that is cool. And that is about as cool as we get because this is the end of Jeff's world. Sorry to say. Uh, this has been fun. Sorry our lightning round got shorter, but uh, uh, we'll get it next time. Thank you for listening to Jeff's World. This has been Jeff's World, the social, political, pop-cultural discussion show that looks at life through the rose-colored eyes of the almost criminally optimistic Jeff Stein.